1: All right, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 87 of the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. We've got a packed show for you guys today. We're talking Gamecocks basketball as the men's basketball team season ends in the SEC tournament. South Carolina snub from the NIT. We'll discuss Frank Martin, the future of the South Carolina basketball program, and more also South Carolina baseball swept by the Georgia Bulldogs over the weekend. We'll break down that series. Uh, Also talk a little bit of Carolina football news and notes here with Pro Day approaching us on Thursday, which South Carolina players uh, can improve their draft stock. We'll take a look into that. Also talk again some other news and notes. Uh, We also have a very, very special interview with former Gamecocks basketball player Carlos Powell as we talk his South Carolina career and more. Before we get into all that, this is a broadcast presented to you by our friends, over at our YouTube page, please be sure to go to youtube.com, look up the Spurs Up Show. We're dropping a bunch of different vlog content. Uh, please be sure, again, to go to youtube.com, leave us a comment, subscribe, let us know your thoughts, your feedback. Look up the Spurs Up Show on YouTube. Also, our good friends over at SeatGeek, please be sure to go download the SeatGeek app, use our promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $10 off. Obviously, March Madness is here. Um, South Carolina not in the postseason but I know a ton of games in the first round in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're going to any of those games, if you need tickets, anything, NBA, NHL, uh, South Carolina baseball, obviously concerts, comedy club events, you name it, go download SeatGeek, use our promo code SPURSUP, save yourself some money, save $10 in the process while you're buying those tickets. It's the best ticket buying app by far and the only one that I use. They actually have a great rating system um, that lets you know if you're getting a really, really good deal, if you're kind of getting ripped off in the process. So again, that SeatGeek, please be sure to go download SeatGeek. Use that promo code, SpursUp, for $10 off your you first ready? purchase. All right, let's I'm get ready. into it. chris phillips he's tom exploit tom it's great to have you back on obviously i know last week we had some scheduling issues but uh very very pleased to get you back on the show my man what's up
2: uh great to be here has spring break last week if anyone's wondering what i did i worked all day every day and really it was just not having school for a week so it sucked but i'm back and ready to talk about baseball my favorite sport ever
1: yeah, that none of our listeners are going to be living vicariously through you. I don't think with uh, any spring break stories. No, no St. Patty's Day. Like nothing. Nah, man. I mean, my work yeah. grind is unreal. Like the work grind is unreal. The Spurs <sighs> up show grind. The work grind. Just the grind. I mean, it's you. Ha- you have you officially have grind flu. That's what it is. Right? Yeah. Grind, grind have, season never ends for me. Grind season. You have grind flu. I I, I obviously can respect that. Um. Yeah. I will say my uh, my St. Patrick's Day. You know, when you're 28, it's not quite as eventful. Obviously, I have a bunch of friends that still go out. But South Ground had a baseball series over the weekend. Um, I stayed in and just kicked it. When you, you know, I, I kind of enjoy just kicking it, laying low most of the time. Sometimes, you know, it just kind of depends. But this St. Patty's decided to lay low, just hang, you know, hang loose, um, just take it easy, if you will. So good week, though. Um, we'll jump right into it, Tom. Obviously, as I was talking to you before the show. What an eventful couple of days for South Carolina basketball, not only on the court, but off the court, on social media. Um, South Carolina men's basketball season ends in the SEC tournament as the Gamecocks lose the Auburn Tigers, who went on to win the SEC tournament, went on to win the whole dang thing. Um, Sunday comes around. Obviously, the March Madness bracket has been set. The field has been set. South Carolina obviously not getting in the NCAA tournament and also being snubbed from the NIT. Um, I'll ask you, Tom, just your initial reactions, your thoughts. Were you surprised at all that South Carolina um, did not make the field for the NIT at least?
2: Uh, I'd say I was surprised for the NIT considering some of the records and the conference play records of the teams that did make it. Like I think Texas was 16-16 and and had losses that were just as bad as ours. And there were some other ones too. I mean, just not making it at all was a surprise, but – losing in the conference tournament is probably what killed it, to be honest. You lose that first game. You had to win one, I feel like, to get in the NIT, and you probably had to win the whole thing to actually have a shot at the SEC tournament. You get beat in the first round by the team that eventually wins the SEC tournament and then wins it by – I think they won by 20. They beat Tennessee by 20, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they beat them really. Tennessee just ran out of gas. Yeah, so, um, I mean, not a bad loss when you consider that, but still, like, you got to find a way to win one when you get a double bye and you're not going to play those two previous games. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing not to even make the NIT at this point, but we have, I think it was like seven scholarship players at one point. I, I can't put so much blame somewhere, but I don't know who's really to blame for this season in general. Yeah, a lot of different injuries. I'll say in that game against Auburn, I, you know, A.J.
1: Lawson did return. That was one thing we talked about that was very big, but I, he looked 50% to me. I thought he was moving almost like half speed. Um, and, I mean, again, Auburn, a very good team, won the entire tournament. Um but yeah, I'll just say from my perspective, I, mean, I was definitely a little bit surprised as well. I mean, you know, surprised and not just because I knew you knew the numbers. You knew that I think it was only one team ever had finished five hundred and actually made the SEC tournament. And that South Carolina, um, if you didn't count the North Greenville game, which wasn't wasn't a D one opponent, South Carolina was fifteen and sixteen against D one opponents. It's just crazy, you know. It's just crazy how badly that non conference schedule hurt them. I mean, those, you know. We've talked before I mean, those losses to Stony Brook, you know, uh, Wyoming, Providence.
2: I mean, they killed the Gamecock, and that's what kept them out of it. I mean, think about it, man. We went twenty-four and eight. Three is it? Th- it Cendarius Thornwell's junior year, we went twenty-four and eight, and didn't make the tournament. So, people right. who are saying we could go sixteen and sixteen with the, one of those wins being against North Greenville and make it, you're probably on crack to be honest. They're just not. They're not going to put a team like with the name recognition like South Carolina in the in the actual NCAA tournament unless we just kill it that year.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely didn't expect South Carolina to make the NCAA unless they won the whole thing. I, I, for one, predicted before, you know, the before the SEC tournament, I thought South Carolina would win one game. Um, they obviously did not, and I agree with you that I think they needed to win that one to lock it up, lock up the NIT at least. Um, so I, I wasn't totally shocked. Obviously, it was just a sour, you know, leaves a sour taste, obviously, that, you know, the last time you ever saw Chris Silva, Sonny, grab um, Trey Campbell, those guys in a South County uniform, was in a lo- losing effort against Auburn. Um, would have loved to have seen those guys a couple more times. But uh, let, let's get into, Tom, kind of just what followed up after that. I, I've talked about it ad nauseum. You've seen it on social media. Um, the Frank Martin discussion, which I don't – I'll tell you this, Tom. I don't know if I started this, if we started this, because I think it was Sunday. Maybe – I think it was Sunday afternoon. I posed the simple question, is next season a tournament or bust type year for Frank Martin? That's all I said, just to kind of gauge where do, you know, I like to gauge what do fans feel, where are fans as far as the conversation's concerned. There's nothing wrong with just simply asking the question, right? And I don't know, if again, if it was from us that started it and it just caught momentum, caught fire, but obviously social media turned into a complete shitstorm with people calling out other people and. People accusing people of wanting Frank Martin fired and all this stuff. I'll ask you, Tom, because I want to start with what my original conversation was, and I talked a little bit, a little bit about this on the Daily Crow. But um, you know, my original conversation is: next season a tournament or bust type season for Frank Martin in regards to his future at South Carolina. I said it is. I true, and not NCAA tournament. I'm just saying postseason tournament. If South Carolina completely misses out on on any postseason tournament again, I think it may be best for South Carolina and even best for Frank Martin at that point to
2: part ways. What's your opinion and take on that? I mean, man, if they don't make the NCAA tournament next year, I mean, I'm not even talking about NIT because that's just a consolidation bracket. Nobody's going to watch the NIT. Nobody cares about making the NIT or winning it. It's a participation trophy. No one wants to be in that. If they don't make the SEC tournament next year, I think – or not this – if they don't make the NCAA tournament next year, I think it's got to be time to just say goodbye to Frank Martin. And I've seen the arguments for people saying, you know, we were a dumpster fire bottom of the SEC team when Frank Martin came in. You know, he's done such a great job. Like, yeah, he has done a really really good job. And we've gone from a bottom-tier SEC school in basketball to a middle-tier SEC school in basketball. We're not a top-tier team. We're not Tennessee. We're not Florida. We're not – we're not Kentucky. We're not any of those schools. I don't think anyone – would try to sit there and say we have a better program right now than those schools do. There's, I mean, it's not even close. Tennessee just pickpocketed Josiah James out of Charleston. And then Georgia, who's terrible, just got, what's the guy's name? Christian Brown out of Columbia. They've got a
1: top five recruiting class right
2: now. Yeah. And then also the other, I think he's like the number, he's a top five recruit, whoever the other guys. And I mean, Georgia's doing that with their recruiting bases. And if they're doing dirty recruiting, that's a different story. And there's nothing we can do about that. But Georgia's, Won one game in the SEC this year and does that. And we won – I mean, we were number four seed, got a double bye. And our I mean, our recruiting class is okay, but it doesn't have any superstars or five stars like Christian Brown or the other kid that Georgia got. I just don't – like, I get Frank's, you know, a great coach. X knows he's there. Great, you know, life model. But if he can't get the kids into play – and he has, has to a point. I mean, look at – A.J. Lawson's obviously a great player. Kusinar couldn't play this year because of different stuff that no one really knows about or understands why. And it's obvious that he's had a lot of attrition, but, like, who's the who's the attrition to blame for? Like, right. it, has to, it has to be put on somebody. You can't just say he's lost players. I mean, he's the guy who recruited the players and said that they could come play at South Carolina, and then they end up leaving because they're not good enough. I mean, I just don't get how you can say it's not an NCAA a tournament or bust. Like, yeah, he's done a good job, and he, he took us out of the dark days of Darren Horn. But, I mean, I think the question comes down to – what has Frank Martin done for you outside of a three-week hot stretch in March two years ago? Really? I mean, we both said that, and I've said it a thousand times. Like he hasn't done much for us outside of one hot streak three years ago, or one hot streak of two, one hot streak two years ago. I'm sorry. Yeah, but still. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you kind of took the words right out of my
1: mouth there. I mean, it definitely stuff that I've said before, said today, even. I mean, um, you, you know, th- that's. And, again, that's kind of how I think the conversation sort of evolved, like kind of just the way we were talking through it. And you start talking about Frank Martin dissecting where things maybe not necessarily have gone wrong, but just dissecting the body of work. And I think that – you know, listen, I've said this before. I like Frank Martin. I'm not on the fire Frank Martin train right now. I think a lot of people accuse me because of things I say. Listen, we give opinions. That's, that's what we do. That's what I do. So, you know, I think it's so funny and people get so upset where – all these people are so loud. Like, we're loud on Twitter. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to be. That we have. I have opinions. We have opinions. So be it. If you don't like it, you don't have to consume, you know, or, uh, yeah, consume that content or consume those opinions. But anyways, um, I like Frank Martin. I'm not on the fire Frank Martin train. I, I don't think that South Carolina, you know, he's obviously a very good coach. I mean, he shoved it up my ass this year. I mean, you, you heard me on the podcast say, Tom, after South Carolina lost to Wyoming or they were losing those non-conference games. You know, I was like, hey, I'm indifferent. I mean, if they want to let him go right now, it really wouldn't bother me. I, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I think it may be over. I mean, I, I really thought South Carolina was doomed for a terrible, terrible year. Um, and he really turned it around. And, I mean, with a really limited roster, too. And I I've said all season for South Carolina basketball, you've got to be excited about these young guys. Um, there's a lot of good talent coming back, which makes it even more of the case to me that, listen, every single season – I really, truly do believe – you got to take season by season. You have to understand what really happened. So that's why I said, you know, you know, I'm not going to say it's NCAA tournament or bust because you've got to have a very high-caliber team. Obviously, injuries can affect your team. But there's going to be an excuse every year. I mean, if you really want to make an excuse, you can make an excuse every single year. When people talk about, oh, well, Frank Martin has lost these players and what about Brian Bowen and what about this guy with the NCAA? Like you were saying, I mean, when guys – Frank Martin is the kind of coach, he's not the easiest guy to play for get along with, whatever. And, listen, we've talked to Dwayne Notice. You're going to hear Carlos Powell talk about Frank Martin as well. I truly believe guys, they either love Frank Martin and will go to war for him or they hate him and they're going to transfer. And, I mean, whose fault is that? That's not our fault. That's not the fans' fault. That's Frank Martin. And, I mean, it's great if he can get a roster of 10, 12 guys or however many guys are on a roster that – all believe in him his system can all play for him can all deal with him but that's not we haven't seen that to be the case and then I love I love when people bring up the whole the Brian Bowen thing it's like listen Frank Martin took a huge chance on Brian Bowen I mean any South Carolina fan that didn't have the garnet glasses on that just knew basketball and kind of saw the situation knew like it's 50-50 if this guy plays like it's 50-50 at best I mean, he's in the middle of some huge investigation and stuff like that. Like, that was a huge chance that Frank Martin rolled the dice on, and he knew it couldn't work out. So, I mean, if Frank Martin was sitting there putting all his eggs in the Brian Bowen basket, that was a mistake from the beginning. So, there's always going to be some built-in excuse for Frank Martin. And, listen, again, he's a good basketball coach. I said it today, I mean – Maybe because I'm not a stupidly diehard basketball fan. I mean, I hate to say that on the airwaves because I cover the basketball team. I'm just not a huge basketball guy in general. But, obviously, I love South Carolina and love South Carolina basketball, whatever, and want the best for the program. I mean, I want to see a winner just like everybody else. I mean, I remember the Final Four run. Man, it was amazing. I mean, it was – like you were saying, it was probably the most fun two-week stretch – there are many South Carolina fans that would say it was the most fun or the best two-week stretch of their entire lives as South Carolina fans, like ever. So, you know, I mean, I love Frank Martin for what he's done for South Carolina, but it's like at some point, like it's, you know, we're hearing all these rumblings that Frank Martin's not happy and, you know, he wants to go somewhere else. Or These are just rumors. Again, there may be no truth to this whatsoever, but you know, I mean, at this point, Frank, if Frank Martin wants, it's going to play out however it plays out at this point. If Frank Martin wants to hit, if if he wants to leave, my response: Don't let the door hit you on the way out. That's what yeah. I just. If you don't want to put up with it, if you if if it's not worth it to you, so be. It. I mean, South Carolina's not going to fire him. They're not going to, at least this year. I mean, it, it'd take a really bad year, I think, next year for him to fire him. But at some point, I mean, and that was get just kind of getting back to the main point I had, Tom, is that I wanted to ask the question because, and I posed another question that. I mean, is this an NIT caliber program? I mean, is that what South Carolina is? Is that because the thing that really blows my mind more than anything? We're kind of leaking into like the social media portion of it now, of what happened on social media today is people. When you, when you, and I've never, I told you this today, Tom. I've never met a group of people so sensitive over a head coach. Like, you can say, people can say anything about Will Muschamp, like literally anything. And it's like, it, people just, you know, turn turn their cheek, whatever. They don't say anything, like, whatever. They'll agree with you most of the time. People dog coach Muschamp all the time. But with Frank Martin, it's like if you literally say one negative thing about the guy, like, uh, we might want to get somebody that's a really elite recruiter. I mean, we're losing – oh, you hate Frank Martin. How dare you? You know, we, he's the best coach ever. We, we don't deserve anyone better. I mean, that's how people seriously talk. And I'm like, I mean,
2: Brian, what is this – just here's my thing. Flip the tables and let's say one well, much champ been here for seven years. He's made the SEC championship one time or something like that. Won the SEC East once. And then Frank Martin is a guy who's been here for five or however how long is Must Champions? Mean, three years. His that was in of his wait. Six and six and eight and four, six seven and five or seven and five. Yeah. So or seven and whatever. My bad. I can't count right now, guys. It's late. But anyway, so if you feel like you've, if you flip it to where I don't know what that final four run will be, say he makes the what's yeah, I the was, I the mean playoffs. I was
1: gonna say bro, no I I think I think winning the SEC East might be a bigger accomplishment than them going to the final
2: four. That's okay, a, so let's say that's let's say he makes, that's me personally. Let, I mean, let's say Muschamp wins the East in SEC football his third or fourth year in, and now it's his seventh year. They're an average football team. They're five hundred, seven 500. and five. Yeah, they're are they go on five hundred every year after that. They've had a year, a good, a better year, an eight-four year mixed in there. Is the question, is it, is it the same response from fans that you should fire him? Should you fire him or should you keep him at this point? I mean, really, I mean, other than other than a, other than winning the SEC East, like what can Champ do that would equal what Frank Martin did? And then compare the two and think if you have the same opinion for both of them when it comes to like, should you replace one? Should you replace one and should you not? Because I promise you, Champ can make the SEC championship one time and then be garbage three years in a row people will want his ass gone but Frank Martin could be terrible next year and terrible the year after that people will be like you just gotta let him get his players in
1: like no and, and I, I you know I, I think it's I said this today I think Darren Horn things were so bad I think people are still scarred from that like I yeah. I think people are still scarred from the Darren Horn like they're so scared to that to either Frank Martin walking away because of you know, the pressure or, you know, South Carolina firing him, they're so scared of the next hire that it's going to be back to the depths with South Carolina basketball. I mean, and I just – that's not how I view that job. Like, that's not how I view that program. I mean, listen, people know. I mean, Tom's younger than me. I was born in 1990. So, like, people have tried to educate me and tell me about – I'm like, you know, listen, I don't remember South Carolina basketball in the 70s and the 80s. Like, you know, obviously people have talked about there's not great tradition, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, dude, like – you know, at some point, like, how many years in a row would you, are you going to watch South Carolina go 500? Like, people are telling me that there's this weird complex, I feel like, that people have. And, like I said, it blows my mind where people are saying, you know, we don't, we, we could never get a coach as good as Frank Martin. We don't even, I've like, deserve- had people say, they don't, we don't deserve Frank Martin. Like, dude, yeah, I real. guarantee you there's, there is a probably a high school coach we can go hire that
2: will go 500 with. Like, are you serious? Like, is this a joke? Yes, I mean, here's my thing, man. At the end of the day, if the, if he's supposed to, if he's this great of a coach and he's the, the top, a top five or whatever people were saying that I wanted to say they were smoking crack, that he's a top five coach in the country or whatever, you know, you want to say top ten, maybe I can get on board with that. Anyway, if you want to say he's that good of a coach, if he's that good, if he's that damn good, if he's Mike Krzyzewski, if he's Coach K or – Patino, I, I don't even think he's near Patino's level. I mean, at least Patino could win some games. I don't care if he cheated or not. But, you know, Patino, what's the guy at Kentucky's name? I, I'm just like, I'm not even thinking names right now. If you want to say, like, he's better than any of those guys or he's at the same level, then he needs to be making the, the NCAA tournament every year, and there's not even a doubt. Like, he needs to be 7 seed or better every year. And he's made the tournament once as a seven-seed. And that year, I'm, and what's, what's our success been in the SEC tournament? Tournament every year, nothing we haven't done anything there, not so it's good. not like we haven't
1: made it past Friday. So, we've
2: ter- we're terrible in the SEC tournaments, like, some point, like, shit's got to hit the fan. Like, I just don't understand it. And I mean, I if we're paying him so much money to do this and he's not doing that great, and players are leaving because they hate playing for him, or there are players who love him, and I'm sure there's a lot of them, but like, let's think about next year, Chris. We're losing Chris Silva. By far the best player on the team. I do And, again, think there will, that yet. will be the built-in excuse if things don't go well. Well, yeah, we lost like Chris it. Silva. That will be the yeah. built-in excuse. It will. I mean, just think about it, man. Like, he's a two-time all-SEC, two-time all-defense, defensive player of the year. And we lost to Sonny Gravett too, who also won sixth man of the year this year. Like, that's no – like, losing him isn't going to be easy to recover for. And, and, of course, we'll get Cousinard and you know, maybe some other guys will step up. But you're not going to replace Chris Silva next year. Like, that's just not going to happen. And maybe they'll be better next year with Kushnar being there and A.J. Lawson being a sophomore. But, man, I just don't know how you get better, like, compared to this team from this year. Because I just don't think they're going to be that much better when you consider losing Chris Silva. Yeah, like
1: I said, there's just a weird complex to me where, like, I don't understand the people that they almost act like South Carolina basketball fans and South Carolina basketball doesn't deserve a winner. I just
2: don't get that. I don't get that. I don't understand. I just it. don't get how the expectation can't be we should make – at least make the NCAA tournament every year. Like, I don't get how people don't have that expectation. Like, Clemson's, yeah. Clemson can almost do it now, whatever his name is. I don't – I mean, like, their expectation this year was to make a tournament going in, and ours, ours I guess, was until we had, you know, some freak injuries at the beginning of the year. But, man, it's just – it's frustrating because it's almost like they're okay with us being mediocre just because we have a really, like, cool head coach. Yeah, I mean, listen, I like Frank Martin. Again, I'm not on the fire
1: Frank Martin discussion, but if we're going to have the either. discussion, yeah, if we're going to have the discussion, let's just be brutally honest about it. I mean, and yeah. people want to say, you know, he's a great coach, but think of how hard it is to recruit against the blue. But recruiting's part of the job. Like, yeah, Will, Will Muschamp was hired to recruit, right? We're talking about different sports. Like, Steve Spurrier's career ended, not because he don't know how to coach. He knows how to coach. He just didn't want to recruit. I mean, you you can't. What are we even talking about? That's what I'm saying. Like, and again, this 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 notion that you know, and then the other thing I want to talk about on social media: people going after the fans, bro. That is that is a trend that needs to die quickly because that is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Blaming the fans, blaming the fans. That's the fans' fans fault. We're not wanting. Get out of here, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I and listen, I more than anyone want to see the arena packed out. I mean, I think, Tom, honestly, and I think this may be even a discussion for another podcast, but I think, you know, there are not many things fans can control as far as, like, on the field or on the court or whatever type of success. Like, fans can't go directly recruit somebody. Fans can't develop players. Fans can't make the lineup, you know. There's a lot of things fans can't do, and the one thing fans can do is, To impact those things, make a positive impact, is show up and make a great environment, right? Right. That's what they can do. So do I wish as much as anyone that every single game was sold out, packed to the brim in Colonial Life Arena? Of course I do. And, I mean, just to, you know, to the point, South Carolina, I'm pretty sure they did sell out Tennessee and South Carolina got smacked at home. But anyways – Yeah. But anyways – To say that it's the fans' fault that, you know, listen, you shouldn't need a packed house to beat Stony Brook. You just shouldn't. Like, you shouldn't need a packed house. So, to say, you know, I've got people in my DMs or my mentions just saying that if South Carolina had a packed house this game, South Carolina would have won the two or three more games it needed. Bro, just miss me with all that. Like, trying to demonize the fan base, that's as low as you can go, man. The fan base is the ones that have suffered, that have given the money, that – for the most part, have shown up. Like, you know, to demonize the fan base, that to me is the worst move. That's the worst take you can have. Like, there's no right or wrong answer in this discussion about Frank Martin, but blaming the fans, that is the worst take. Like, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to be friends with you. I don't want to communicate with you if that is your opinion. Because, bro, the fans are the – do they deserve blame? Everybody, I think, deserves blame. They deserve 1%, if that. Like, don't try to put it all on the fan base. That, that's, you know, and then people saying, oh, well, you know, Frank Martin, if he sees this on Twitter, he's going to walk away. If I was Frank, I would walk away. You're so unappreciative. I'm like, dude, if Frank Martin's willing to walk away because something I tweeted, we need a new basketball coach anyways. Like, that's a
2: bigger problem. Yeah. That's a bigger That's like, I mean, it's like, like almost the opposite. Come on, man. How much, like, when you think about how much Frank Martin interacts on Twitter, it's literally the complete opposite of my channel. And I would prefer <laughs> that coach. I would prefer that approach with every coach we have. <laughs> oh, man. I, I just, that, there's just been some funny takes, man. There,
1: there's been some funny takes. And, and you Calc know, what, Twitter is wild. Well. It, it is. It's a wild, it's the wild, wild west. And, you know, it's funny. I think it's funny that most of the time it comes back on us, people trying to blow us up when it's like, I think we had the pretty rational take in the first place. Just, we just presented a question and all hell broke loose. So, I mean, listen, and then people want to say, well, he can go somewhere else and be treated, whatever. I mean, you know, every school has fans, ruthless fans. They're going to say, Twitter, social media, that's the way it works. But I mean, if you want me to treat this man like a god because we've gone 500, like, I'm sorry. It's just not happening.
2: Like, People want you to treat him like a god because he took us to the Final Four and it really was just – I don't want to say – I mean, you take thornwall out all that equation, who apparently was paid for to come to South Carolina. I mean, if you look at what happened with all that stuff, if you take that guy out of the equation, we're not making the Final Four and probably not making the tournament that year. And we're literally going to be a 500 team under Frank Martin without – like, every season across the board, I think – with Frank Martin, you're probably a 500 team if you take out some Darius Stonewell. And that's the guy, I mean, that's the guy that they, him and Dozier were the two that apparently got money to come here. Like, it is what it is, bro. I mean,
1: and listen, listen, again, I've echoed it so many times. I won't say it again, though. I like Frank Martin, but I don't think there's anything wrong with putting the pressure on saying, hey, Frank, you're on the hot seat, man. Like, this is what you got to do. Like, listen, stuff's going to happen. Some guys are going to get injured next year. Hell, because of your coaching style, somebody might leave this offseason we don't expect. but." Bro, it's on the table. Writing's on the wall, man, and it's nothing personal. Yeah. It's all business.
2: Yeah, it's I, like, mean, I mean, Frank Martin, I love him. Love Frank Martin, the coach. Love Frank Martin, the, you know, role model. But if you're not producing, then, like, that's just another conversation. Bro, we're you're have. employed
1: to win. Like, I don't yeah. – these people saying, too, like, well, he's a great man and ambassador. Bro, he, does he win? Like, bro, I mean – I'm just is name again? I don't I don't realistically want a coach that cheats, that's a scumbag, that everybody hates. But bro, this is a game where if you win, I'll turn the other cheat. Like I'm you win, saying, I was forgiven. Yeah, and I'm not saying, yo, go cheat, go pay players, but like I hate that excuse in any sport where people are like, you know, we have fun with it. Don't give me like the whole new spring thing, Clemson, whatever. But yeah. it's like when people really ask me like if somebody's like whining about it, like, man, like they're paying their guys. Like we can't – I'm like, well, why don't we just pay more? Like I don't care what we do. Like, bro, yeah. I mean, if that's the landscape of it, like there's no pride in being in, in being
2: fair and being bad. Like do what you – I mean, gotta everybody's do. participating I mean, in the game and they're playing <laughs> a different – playing in a different game. If you think you're playing in the same game, but you're really not, and you're getting your tail cut every year, you might as well start playing the other game.
1: Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily condoning cheating. I'm just saying like, you know, I mean, South Carolina has got guys in their own backyard, these basketball, and the thing is I was looking class of 2019. I think somebody posted on social media today, listen, I can forgive losing guys in North Carolina, Kentucky, Duke, like the blue buds, yeah. right? You just, like you couldn't help but lose Zion Williamson to do. There's nothing you yeah. could have done. There's we weren't South Carolina. There. Yeah. There's nothing South Carolina could have done there, but When you're losing guys to Alabama, Ole Miss, Georgia, like, what is that about? I mean, what is that? I think –
2: what this is a discussion for another episode, too. Like, I think it's just that they don't want to get called an MF and all this other stuff by Frank Martin when they're playing. I just don't – I think that's what it is. Like, there's a difference between hard coaching and just being a dick. And I think the players – a lot of players – a lot of recruits just think that the him being a dick part is too much to handle, especially if they're a one and done. Like, why would you want to – if you could go to Old Miss and do the same thing you could do at South Carolina for a year and then go to pro without having to deal with the cursing and the extra stuff, like, why would you not do that? It would be stupid, in my opinion, not to do that. And, again, you know,
1: part of me, it's almost like I love the fans that are so behind Frank Moore. Like, I love how big of a fan those people are. Like, you want to support him till the end. I completely understand, but, like – South Carolina fans like you can't be so scared to let go of this man like I understand how bad Carolina basketball was before but like but I think that's holding people back like they're they're so scared to slip into mediocrity again but it's like you have to trust that South Carolina is going to do everything they've got the money to throw around man yeah I mean this is a different time we're not talking about two thousand seven, eight, whatever whatever year it was I mean they've got that SEC network money like this is not a poor athletics department. Like, they have the money to go get someone that I think would be a good coach. I mean, listen, I'm if you sh- want to say, well, who do you think they could get that's better? Who's out there? I mean, bro, I don't know every basketball coach in America. But you're telling me that you really want to sit here and try to convince me that South Carolina couldn't find one guy they could go get, yeah. them, that could get them to 500? Are you serious? Is that a joke? Like, bro, I mean, it's insane. I mean – it's insane. Like <laughs>
3: it is insane. I, don't get it, man.
1: I mean, and, and I'm finally kind of just letting it out because I mean, today I was mentally exhausted just reading it all. I mean, at one point I told somebody, I was like, I don't have the energy for this anymore. I, I just, I can't do it, man. Like you just, everything, people want to spin everything into some negative thing and you know, you hate Frank Martin. It's like, no, but we deserve to have the discussion. He he's going on year eight. Like we need to have the discussion. Like, Period. There needs to be a standard set. There I mean, needs to be some sort of expectation set where it's like, I, I really hope that this is the expectation next season. Frank, if you miss the postseason, your ass is grass. Period. I don't care what happens. That's it. I
2: mean, I hate so, to bring, like, Clemson into the equation, but every Clemson fan's expectations every year is that is going to be in the playoff. Like, that's not – it's not are we going to beat South Carolina are we going to be in the ACC championship is like, are we making the playoff or are we not? And I think if you you can't have that expectation for basketball and just making the tournament, because like what happened with us in the tournament two years ago, like anything's possible and anything can happen in March. That's why it's called March Madness. Like if the expectation isn't to make the tournament and be playing the game and playing in games that really matter, then what are our expectations? Because if you have low expectations, then like, what are we doing? Like you can't have expectations for a – a bottom tier program and they get mad and we're not doing anything in five years
1: I mean listen if you want if you if you want me to just be appreciative of Frank Martin and be happy with the seasons he's producing then I'll just stop watching South Carolina basketball because I don't want to watch a team that goes 500 like I I don't care like if that's how the if if that's what fans are okay with because they love Frank Martin because that's what it almost comes off to me as is that you know people are saying well nobody's saying that going 500 is okay but you got to appreciate what Frank's done for Carolina like Okay, well, if you want me to appreciate what he's done for four more years, I just won't tune in anymore. Like, I don't want to watch a team that goes 500. I just – I don't if, – if you just want to be okay with that. But, I mean, dude, this is a business. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type business. If he misses the postseason again a third year in a row, it's time to go. Like, it's just how it is. That's just – you know, and it feels like so much like the Spurrier thing where it's like Spurrier had this great run – And it's, like, I think that's the biggest thing irking fans that, like, have an issue is, like, you haven't been able to build anything off that. Like, all these recruits are still leaving the state. Like, there's a reason. Like, that's stuff that needs to be addressed. Like, even if Frank Martin doesn't get fired or doesn't walk out, like, how are you going to address recruiting issues? Like, that's something that needs to be addressed. And, like, if you don't address it, we need to get somebody else in here who can and can make those guys stay home. Not all of them, but at least one or two of them, man. Like, you know, when you're losing guys to Georgia, Ole Miss, and Alabama, you got issues. Like, you've got issues, yeah. period. So, I don't know. It, I mean, it'll be interesting. Again, I, you know, that's obviously a ways out. We're talking about a year from now, basically. But, you know, it's been a hot topic, hot discussion. I mean, I just think that – listen, I, I like Frank a lot. I, I think he's a good basketball coach. He's obviously a good basketball coach. That's not even a question. But – you know, if things go south next season, I I think honestly for his well being too, because I think the energy will be so toxic. If South Carolina misses the postseason again next year, it will be such a, it'll be so toxic. I mean, it won't be. Well, let's wait for one more year and see what happens. People will be like, it's we're calling for you to be fired. So, you know, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what the answer. What's going to happen? I mean, listen, Frank Martin could take this team. Every time I talk about Frank Martin, I tell people, listen, he could shove it up my ass. Like he could take this team next season. You know this young talent that South Carolina has could evolve, get even better. Someone could step up, down low. South Carolina could be that team that surprises, makes the NCAA tournament. You know that could happen. I'm not saying that couldn't happen. I mean Frank Martin's a good enough coach to make that happen. But what in the world makes me believe that's going to happen? One one run, just one run. I mean, I'm not buying into that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel the same way. Like. I was just looking at his record to see what it is. And so if you take away, okay, let's take away the first two years where they went 14 and 18 and 14 and 20. So in the years when I would consider it, his program is in the third year through this year, one, three out of those five seasons, he finished five. He finished a game, two out of two out of the five. He finished a game over 500 one, like this year he finished 500 exactly. And then the other two, they went 25 and nine and 26 and 11. So three out of five, 60% of the time, we've gone right at 500 every year. I mean, I don't, I just don't care to watch a team that's going go to go 500. I, I don't think anyone does.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I know the first couple of years he was getting South Carolina from the depths, but I, I compared it on social media today. Maybe this is a bad comparison. I don't know, but I compare Frank Martin as being kind of the Lou Holtz of Gamecocks basketball where he's mm-hmm. brought South Carolina out of the depths. He's gotten them to a certain level. And listen, 10 years from now, if South Carolina is a – top of the SEC type program, we're going to truly appreciate what Frank Martin did. Like,
4: just
1: just getting to the point where you're like, man, it's possible for South Carolina to make the NCAA tournament. Go to the final four. Like, it's possible. We're going to appreciate him. But, like, that time to turn over the keys to somebody that can put this thing into high gear is getting closer and closer by the second, in my opinion. And I just think that he has laid a good foundation, but it's like, now it's, it, you've got to improve. You're either getting better or worse every single day, every single year. And it's just, you know, as time goes – here's the thing. Here's the thing. As time continues to tick, we're getting farther and farther and farther away from that Final Four run. Don't waste that Final Four run. Like, don't do the same thing you did in football and waste that good year, you know, for these, these the recruits that still thankfully remember it. You know what I mean? I think it's like, already twenty 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 four. 2024, like, nobody's going to give a damn. I mean maybe it is but you know I think it's still fresh enough to where like you can use that still to your advantage like yo it can be done here man I mean we can put guys in the NBA look at Dozier look at Sendarius I mean look at Chris Silva what he's about to do hopefully I mean we can put guys in the league man like you can come do it here you don't have to go to this blue blood and just be another guy I mean it's it's a similar pitch to football it really is so I mean you know what will happen I don't know again it's you say one negative thing though. You you're a Frank Martin hater. You you just hate him. You you don't appreciate him. But we're here to speak the truth, man. I just, Chris you are hate a hater though. You hate Chris. You hate uh Frank Martin. Yeah, I just I despise him. Yeah, I mean I'll speak the truth, man. I don't care. I really don't care. I I don't care about the uh, whatever. So <laughs> all right, so let's move into we've gotten the Frank Martin talk in. Let's move into. Uh, The baseball team being swept over the weekend by the Georgia Bulldogs was not a good weekend for South Carolina Athletics. I'll tell you that right now. Um, We'll we'll talk on this briefly. I know, Tom, you probably watched every single second of this series over the weekend. Definitely, man. Yeah, but uh, South Carolina, again, falling all three games to Georgia. I mean, I think simply put, Tom, you know, South Carolina, I said this in the Daily Crow, but I just thought you really saw what a big-time SEC team looks like. I mean – friday with emerson hancock a guy that could be could be potentially next season number one pick in the draft a guy throwing 97 98 just absurd um a little bit of heat yeah saturday you had wilcox throwing 96 97 sunday their starter was throwing 96 97 my yeah, first we don't question
2: have a guy who does that
1: no and, I, and the one guy that we have that even could come close to that or two guys are both hurt and carmen Majinski and ridge chapman um Overall, listen, I mean, South Carolina got the – you know, we're recording this Tuesday night. South Carolina got a big win over – well, i say a big win, but they got a win over Furman in the midweek, 12-7. Uh, to seven. I just want to say the first thing. The sky is not falling with Carolina baseball. I don't think the season's over. I don't think that, you know, fans should pack it in and say, woe is me. I mean, South Carolina, again, started 1-5 in the SEC a year ago, made the Super Regionals were one game from Omaha. It's a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But I definitely think South Carolina – got a taste of what big time sec baseball is all about i mean i said that on the daily crow like i said i mean when you're facing guys they're throwing that my biggest question is Tom, like how'd you get these guys to go to college like because i yeah. if you're coming out of high school throwing 95 plus you're a first rounder like man i don't georgia see is throwing the bag everybody these days like i don't get it like i'm like wh- i mean going into the weekend i picked georgia to win two of three just because i was like you know the questions i mean listen when you're going into a weekend series. In the SEC, especially it's your first one, there's so many questions already, but you're going to the weekend series in the SEC and your Friday night guy is a true freshman and your Sunday guy is a TBA. You don't even know who he is. That doesn't spell good things, especially when you're facing a Georgia team that's so veteran heavy. So many veterans, guys that have been there, done that. Um, You know, it's going to be tough. So... You know, that was my biggest issue. My biggest worry going in that series was just the starting pitching. Like, is Sal kinda going to get enough? I think they'll I think they'll be able to hit a little bit here and there. I mean, Friday tip your cap again to Hancock. I thought Wesley Sweat threw well. I don't think he did anything to give away the job. I don't think he did anything to, you know, I think he'll start Friday against Tennessee. I mean, I think he threw well enough to earn that right to get another start there. Um, but tip your cap to Emerson Hancock. I mean, Saturday, Sunday, though, the thing is, those were games you could have won. I mean, you went up 5-1, to one, I think, in the fourth inning. Defense was a killer. Obviously, it was a killer. Reed Morgan wasn't as sharp as normal. But defense on Saturday was a killer. You get go from 5-1 to 5-5. Five, five. You basically lose all momentum. Georgia's got momentum right back on their side. Um, so, a game you certainly could have won. You lose that one by one run. And then Sunday, you're up one nothing going to the ninth inning and blow the game. Um, so, I guess if yeah. you want to look at the positive, Tom, is that, you know, you were that close to taking two out of three from a top-ten team and a team that's that good, but on the other hand, you didn't. You got swept. So, I mean, you know, there's still a ton of questions moving forward. I think just the biggest thing for this South Carolina team, I said it before, is just they've got to find out who their three guys are on the weekend and just be willing to yeah. go go to battle with them because the the uncertainty – I mean, again, South Carolina's – I don't – you know, I feel like I focus on the pitching a lot because I was a former pitcher, and, I you know, I truly just believe – Great pitching beats great hitting. I mean, we saw you know the lineup's got to be better. Had forty-one strikeouts in three games, which is an astronomical number. Um, you know they've got to be better. But I mean, listen, they gave you seven on Saturday, and they gave they gave you the lead in a one nothing game on Sunday. I mean, sometimes you've got to win a one nothing game. You just have to. Like sometimes you just got to win those kind of games, man. I mean, and like I said, great pitching is going to beat great hitting every time. And I mean, I I don't know if, I don't know if I talked about this on the Daily Crow, but you know, one of the biggest disadvantages, Tom, for South Carolina. Let me put it in the football terms. You, you, you're a left tackle, or you're a DN. You're on the line of scrimmage, and you face a guy across you. Let's put it this way: you're, you're, you're a tackle in South Carolina's football team right now, or, or during the during the, the the glory years, you could call them. You're a tackle in 2012. I don't, I don't, I forget who the tackle was. Was it Brandon Shell? Maybe was he a
2: tackle? yeah he played oh. left tackle okay you know, whatever he played left tackle at some okay. point okay
1: you're Brandon Shell. you go up against Jadavion Clowney every day in practice that's who you have to face how good are you gonna be when you fa- like you're not gonna face anybody as good as Jadavion Clowney the rest of the season so like how good is that gonna make you the old iron sharpens iron you know Zach Bailey versus Javon Kinlaw like how good yeah. does that make those two guys right like you can look at it in baseball as well. Georgia, when they're going through inner squads and scrimmages off the fall and stuff like that, they're facing their own guys that are throwing 96, 97, 98. They're facing those guys. South Carolina's hitters are at such a disadvantage because, like you said, I mean, yes, they have a Carmen Majenski that can pop 95 every now and then. He's more so 92, 93. They've got some guys some good stuff, but I don't think they have guys with any of the type of the stuff They saw this past weekend. And, I mean, when you're seeing it for the first time, like, it's – I mean, I know – I know, like, 92 to 94 to 96. That doesn't sound like a huge, like, oh, it's just two miles an hour. It's a huge difference. Like, it's huge. So, I mean, you think, like, how much more prepared and how much more ready Georgia's lineup was to face – you know, the toughest pitching they face is their own. I mean, they they don't face anybody better than them. It's probably their mindset. They might actually be right. So – I think that's one reason we saw the South Carolina lineup struggle because, you know, those guys, you know, they faced that non-conference pitching, even Clemson pitching was, you know, average, I would say. I mean, you face what you face in inner squads and stuff like that. And then you see a, a rotation like that. And I mean, it's, again, it goes back to that iron and iron type of mentality. I mean, I'm not, listen, there's no real answer. I mean, they they can't go pick up somebody off the street, those a hundred and get them to throw BP to them or something like that. But I mean, it's just kind of the reality of the situation, you know what I mean? So You know, I'm not, uh, again, definitely it's, you know, throwing in the towel talk is absurd. Anybody that's, you know, at that point for the season is kind of, it's silly. They just don't know what they're talking about. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought South Carolina got a real dose of what it's all about, what SEC, that big-time baseball, is all about. And, man, I mean, you know, Kingston, his second year, obviously he's getting his recruits in. It's kind of the same old story we hear with every sport. But, man, I – South Carolina needs to get them a couple guys at their 97, 98, because it's, it's a lot easier living when you can throw that hard. I mean, I had some people talk to me about, you know, it's not all about velocity. And trust me, I'm a guy that knows it ain't all about velocity. I mean, look at Michael Roth. I mean, when I pitched, I wasn't a guy that, you know, threw very hard. I mean, I was mid-80s at best. I think you so, 450
2: deep center, Chris. Yeah, right, right.
1: Yeah, I was um, I was I was 85 best, but I mean when it's when it's coming in 95 plus, man. Like, and you're in college. Like, we're not talking about these. We're not we're not talking about these are pro hitters. These are college hitters. Like, that's serious. That's serious.
2: So. I mean I guess I would say. I mean obviously I'm not a baseball expert like you are, but I would say that I don't think South Carolina is going to face another rotation this year that's going to have three dudes who are throwing 95 plus and two of them who are touching 97, 98 a lot. So that's probably pretty good prep for the rest of the season. And obviously, like you said, they're not going and they're not having BP against guys who are throwing that fast. Like they're having to adjust in game to guys who are throwing ninety eight down the pipe. And that's not something you adjust to just like that day. So I think I think Saturday was a game you absolutely had to win. And I think look at Sunday, like you said, you go up one up and into the ninth inning, you gotta have a guy who can just save that game and that's gonna end gonna end the series for you right there. I I mean it's hard blowing both of those games, especially both of them at home. You know, that's hard you get swept in your own home you know, your own home field. That's a tough one to swallow. But I definitely think you've said it a thousand times, baseball baseball season is a marathon, it's not a sprint. They've got the rest of the season to make up for those three losses and I don't think that I don't think they're a worse team now than I did a week ago. I think they're still just as good as a team. But if you look at just the box score, you can say something different. But I think they're set up to be good the rest of the year. Just have to get the starting pitching to come along.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, this – you know, obviously I'll talk about this series a little bit more later in the week, but, I mean, Tennessee, another team that got swept, they're 0-3, South Carolina 0-3. It's a big one. I mean, two teams that are going to be very desperate. And, I mean, you know, uh, you know, South Carolina was able to rebound a year ago from a 1-5 start, but the last thing you want to do is duplicate that and have to dig – you know, put yourself right back in that hole and do it all over again. I mean, you don't want to have to do that. And, listen, Tennessee historically has been a team that hasn't had a great baseball program. It feels like a series you should go win. Um so, it's it's a pivotal series. I think it's a, early on. It's a very, very key series for South Carolina. I was just going to say, though, Tom, I mean, you're, you're a guy you're, – you're a Red Sox guy. I mean, you think. Like, how many guys does – how many guys do the Red Sox have that one? 97,
2: 98. Like, that's serious. Chris L can touch. I, Chris can touch hundreds. Evaldi can touch high 90. Right, no, I,
1: I know there's multiple, but I'm just saying, like, <clears throat> that's some that's – some,
2: I mean, that's I don't a think – Or maybe, maybe off the top of my head.
1: Right, that's some legitimate velocity. So for a college team to have three guys, yeah, touch I mean, that's 90, unheard of. I mean, that's insane. Like I, I, I can't believe that, to be honest. But yeah, George is for real. George honestly probably deserved more credit, more respect, and I, even I gave him. So um, I mean, really, all you can do is just <clears throat> I get I agree. South Carolina's going to have to figure out their starting pitching. They're pitching overall. Um, I will say before we move off of baseball, I, you know. I don't want to question the coaching staff too much kind of what their thought process was but the one thing that kind of blew my mind was um you know you had that lead Saturday uh, and again I thought Reed Morgan pitched well enough to win um you went into Sunday and TJ Shook got the start I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week but if you knew TJ Shook was getting the start I am a huge believer in you play to win today you don't worry about tomorrow till tomorrow because tomorrow's never guaranteed so you do everything in your power to win today you worry about tomorrow tomorrow so If you knew most likely T.J. Shook was getting the start, I just don't understand why Brett Carey wasn't inserted in the game on Saturday. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. I mean, why was he not the first guy out of the bullpen? That's what blows my mind because you know South Carolina struggled on the mound. I mean, even the guys, you know, they've had to put some guys into some different roles, some different situations, guys having to step up where um, maybe they wouldn't be if South Carolina was fully healthy. I mean, I I just – I don't know. I don't know why you th- don't throw your best immediately in a situation where you can win the Saturday game. Even if you feel like, Hey, we had to, we had to throw Kerry. Now we don't know, you know, we're just going to throw shook and we don't know who we're going to throw after, but at least you have the chance to win the series, man. That- that's the biggest thing to me. But overall, again, I, I think South Carolina learned, I-, I think it'll only make them better, obviously, just because you've seen that now. And I think, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Tennessee because they had an insane start to the season, especially on the mound. But, uh, But, you know, I I doubt, like you were saying, I I doubt South Carolina sees three arms the way they saw against Georgia this past weekend. Um, Real quick, Pro Day on Thursday. Obviously, this is dropping Wednesday. You guys are hearing us on Wednesday, so tomorrow I guess you could say. But South Carolina Football Pro Day. Um, Gamecocks resumed spring practice, I guess, yesterday or Monday, if you will. Um, You know, ton of guys taking place, Tom. Is there anybody sticking out to you that you think could really – you know, I know pro day is kind of a whatever type day, but is there anybody you think that could stand out, make a, you know, make a splash, improve the draft stock, anything like that?
2: I mean, obviously I think the best candidates for that would be guys who didn't get invited to the combine because what they're going to be doing at the pro day is pretty similar to that. I mean, I would just say outside of my head, the guys who've already helped themselves a lot is Debo just by himself. And then if they could make a big difference to pro day, because it's more attention just to them, I'll probably say Zach Bailey and Dennis Daly, but, other than that, just the guys in general who didn't get combine invites.
1: What about our guy Michael Scarnecchia? Huh? You get to sling that thing around. I mean,
2: uh, I mean, yeah. Man. Will he, Will that anything happen because of that? I doubt it. Just because. I mean, <laughs> when you have a guy like that, it's hard to really do anything with it. Hey, he's got one.
1: He's got one game of tape, and it was a. Uh, it was a good one. It was a, it was a good one. We yeah. could say. So, Nate, we could argue. You probably should have had more games of tape. <laughs> but uh no yeah i'm excited well obviously we won't be there in person but excited for pro day obviously excited to see the guys um i think bryce Allen williams the guy we had on our podcast obviously we're a huge bryce now williams podcast uh huge sleeper in the draft i'd love to see him kind of improve his draft stock have a good day out there but yeah it's, it should be fun to kind of just watch the guys run around a little bit obviously see uh like you're saying i'm very very excited about Debo where he's going to go in the draft i'm just hoping it's to a team that i like and not the patriots but that's a conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> um, other news and notes. I just want to highlight, just because I talked about it last week. I know Tom, you probably couldn't believe when you saw this uh, that I had this on the uh, on the agenda to talk about. But Caron and Golf, um, after their win last week at the Palmetto Intercollegiate, Caron and Golf finishing third at the Valspar Collegiate, which. Um, I can't imagine. There's a lot of people listening to this podcast that are like diehard golf fans. I know you, Tom. I know you already told me. I know you're a diehard golf fan. I hate golf. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big golf guy. But for those that don't know, um, just to kind of put it simply, these are the best team. I mean, literally the best golf teams in the country. in this, like Oklahoma State, who's number one in the country. South Carolina finished ahead of them. So uh, Billy Mack and the boys. Man, he's got Shout something else. Billy Max got something working, man. I, I thought the funniest tweet was somebody commented, we're a golf school anyways, talking about like the basketball facts, like, bro. We're a golf school. It's like, okay, take it, whatever, screw it. No, man, we're an
2: equestrian school or bass what, fishing. Whatever works.
1: All right, cool. All right, let's get into your listener questions. We've got a ton of good listener questions. We'll go ahead and jump right in, Tom. Uh, Robbie Rob 44, what do you think the rotation will be next year for basketball, like starting five? You have one off the top of your head. I put one out a couple of days ago.
2: Uh, let's think. Um, Who will be playing? So I'll, I'll AJ think- Lawson at shooting guard. Uh, Cushenard at small forward. Trey Hannibal at point guard. Uh, power. No, I will say Hase at power forward and Coates are at center. I don't know what else, What other lineup. Yeah, so be. I had Hannibal and Lawson at the
1: guards, Manaya and Brian at forward and then Coates are at center. Brian's kind so, of small for a four. Yeah, I mean, listen. I, Maybe I mean, a small ball on that but – well, that's and that's running with a small lineup just because, I mean, Coats are your center. So, that's going to be the biggest question, no doubt, is who's going to be down low for you. I mean, South yeah. Carolina's going to miss Chris Silva, There's no question. Yeah. Um Steven Phillips is real, my brother, actually. Shout out to my brother there. Um Who's the best defensive back on the South Carolina defense other than J.C. Yeah. Horn? Uh, other uh, than J.C. Horn?
2: Who, listen, I would say Roderick. I would probably put him at the top.
1: Yeah, I think Roderick right now with McQuamu very, very close behind him. I think it's yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, think, uh, I think I think I think McQuamu could pass him, but man, you gotta love what you saw from Roderick last year. He was
2: yeah, he, and he looks like he's like Jack now,
1: so yeah, he was fantastic. Um, Judd Rupp, do any of USC programs use a sports psychologist? Basketball and baseball could benefit. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <Sports> <laughs>
1: Maybe you should be now. their sports psychologist if if you have all the answers. I mean no, nah, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they do. They have everything else for them, right? I mean, they, they literally offer everything you could think of. So, I'm sure that's something that's offered, right? I mean. I'm sure they do. I don't you know. have to imagine. I, I don't know, though. We have to look into that. Uh, by Brantley Strickland, what's the level of concern about starting pitching at this point? Pretty um, high. I mean, it's it's definitely a concern, man. I mean, until it, you know, you know, it's definitely a concern. I mean, it's another way to put it. I mean, when you, again, you have a. There's just there's just positions where like guys have thrown decent, they've thrown well, but like a guy like Reed Morgan took the job. He you know he was a guy that was like well we you know, it's kind of wait and see with Reed Morgan for the season. He took the job. He threw well enough. He took the job, took control of it. Like Wesley Wesley Sweat and you know T.J. shook got his first start on the weekend. Those two guys they've thrown good enough to not lose the job, but they haven't taken it in that in that sense. I mean, you think Wesley Sweat is really just holding the place of Carmen Majenski. So, you know, it's just a situation where, like, is South kind of going to have guys just step up? I mean, that's really what it's all about. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'd say the concern is is high. There's still talent there. There's a lot of talent, but guys got to step up for sure. Nick underscore best. What's the solution to the obvious recruiting problem for basketball besides firing Frank? um that's the million dollar question man I mean, how, how do you how do you keep guys in state I mean that that's the biggest problem that's not just a problem South Carolina faces but Clemson too but I mean you know I think you're going to hear in our interview with Carlos Powell he's actually got some pretty pretty great ideas I thought that South Carolina could uh could look into but uh but yeah I mean I don't know I mean it's you know I, I don't really know I don't know the answer I mean besides getting a new head coach that can c- connect with the guys in state differently I mean you know, I just – I don't know other than that, honestly. So, um Cass, Junior, Gamecock, 08. Do we have any chance to beat Alabama, I'm assuming, in football time?
2: I'll give it like a 15 maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wait. Here's my question. Does Tua break his leg before this game or at a point early during this game? <laughs> if the answer is yes, then I'll give us like a 50% chance. But if Tua is still a quarterback the entire game, then I, it's like 15 tops. <laughs> Oh, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say 5%. I think uh, our good buddy Brad Crawford, he uh, you know, the, the opening line for the uh, the South Carolina-North Carolina game came out today, which Gamecocks are a seven-point favor. I forgot to mention that. Um, but, anyways, he projected that the South Carolina-Alabama line would be Bama by, uh, favored by 23-and-a-half, which I think – on I mean, I hate to hear it, but it's fair. I mean, it, how good they are, it's fair. It is Can't fair.
2: Point, really. It's you fair. I mean, by like 50, so we're 40 points better than Vandy technically. That's
1: that's really something to brag about.
2: <laughs> better than being like twenty points better, but yeah, yeah,
1: true, true. Ob one, Ob one, Kanoa. Will we have a new men's soccer coach within five years?
2: I don't know. I just about flipped a
1: coin. Thing. It said yes, so that, that was soccer talk. Um, <laughs> uh, me, Davis Holt. Do you think we have an, Do you think we have a chance against Alabama or Clemson? We just said Alabama. Clemson, I think Clemson certainly yes. Thirty five to forty would
2: probably. I would say, man, I, I think a hundred bucks I enough to think, win that game.
1: Yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're going to know a lot more when that game gets here. I'd say it's fifty fifty. I, I'd be I mean,
2: fifty fifty game. I would say. I mean, if what's our chance of winning the game? Fifty fifty. Do I believe we can? Yeah. Like I mean, there's a difference between me thinking we have a fifteen percent chance of beating Bama and me thinking that we actually beat Bama. Like, it's no. Those that right. the answer. Do I actually think that we could beat them Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, it underscore lit underscore CT underscore 17. Like, how many underscores do you need? All it says is let's go. So, yeah, let's go. Um, And, <laughs> and then by Brantley Strickland. Let's save the best for last, huh, Tom? Want Martin gone? Fine. Who could Tanner go get that's better?
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not a fucking AD. I don't care. Not, like, just – Go find a dude – go hire the dude from Wofford who just went 20 – whatever O in conference and beat us by 20 at home. Oh, man. I, I just I love when people say – I just –
1: I mean, people act like Frank Martin is the greatest basketball coach. You know who's all
4: better than Frank time. Martin? To go
2: get? No, really, in all seriousness. We could go get Mike Shisevsky because, honest to God, that's the only coach that Carolina fans would accept as a better coach than Frank Martin.
1: Like, and then oh, I forgot to mention this earlier. One of the funnier things is like people are almost like making subliminal threats. They're like, oh, when Mike, when when Frank Martin leaves or he gets fired, ooh, y'all, y'all, y'all gonna get what's coming to you. It's like that mentality. And I'm like, are, like, what are you gonna do? Jump out of the phone? Like, I mean, what you gonna beat us up when you see us in person? Like, because we, question frank martin's abilities or maybe want somebody a fresh face in there like oh, y'all are gonna get what's coming to you like y'all deserve the worst because you don't like frank martin it's like dude what is wrong with you like and then my question is like what happens if south Carolina does hire a coach and he's like better like what are you gonna say then like
2: uh I, don't worry i've archived all them old tweets from frank martin
1: <laughs> so yeah brantley again I'm not an athletic director, but could I find another head coach that and go 500, slightly above 500, make the NCAA tournament one time in seven, probably eight years? Yeah, probably, probably. I probably could. Y- yep, probably could. Just saying, probably could. Um, other than that, Tom, do we? I, I like I just mentioned I forgot to talk about it as far as football stuff. But Gamecocks open as a seven-point favorite of North Carolina. You like that line? What do you What do you think? About
2: that? Uh, I'd probably take the Gamecocks. Plus, yeah. I probably well not plus seven. I take it. I think they win more. I'd say, I'd say at least 13. I think they win by,
1: yeah. I think right now I take Carolina minus seven. I just, man, I mean,
2: man, if we aren't be, beating
1: Carolina be by seven, yeah. that's going to be a game where if you win by less than seven, like it's like, oh boy,
2: <laughs> yeah, like this is not, what uh,
1: oh, right. big yikes. Like,
2: Jake Billings should have 350 and four tutties against them. You would think so. You would
1: think so. I mean, yeah, Mac Brown's first game, game in Charlotte, but yeah, that's that's gonna be one if you win by seven even if you win by seven. You win you by seven win or less. 40. Yeah, you win by seven or less. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> that Bama line jumped from twenty three and a half to thirty. You win by seven real quick. <laughs> For sure. But
2: imagine yeah. barely beating like imagine we beat North Carolina by ten, and then we still kind of think that's a disappointment go in against Charleston Southern and they hang around until like midway through the third. The expectation going into Bama is that we're going to get beat by a million and we probably will. Like this is ultimate we're going to be dead by the end of the year scenario is what I just laid out. You, you want to see Gamecock Twitter explode. Lose, oh, I do.
1: Lose to North Carolina week one. Lose to North Carolina, beat <laughs> Charleston Southern by like 14, and then uh, like let's and, see where the beat, them, and, nah, beat, beat Charleston Southern like 14 to three, something like that. Yeah. Oh, Should my God. Like those like three picks.
2: That would literally <laughs> be the end of Gamecock Twitter.
1: Oh, my God. You know what, though? Like I don't want that to happen, obviously, but I low-key in an alternate universe wish that would happen so I could be like, Y'all gotta appreciate what Will Muschamp has done. Yeah, I mean, you gotta appreciate him. Yeah, come he on. went eight now. and
2: four and beat Michigan in the Outback Bowl. I mean, that's like happened two good. years ago,
1: but it's still relevant today for some reason. You yeah. got you you got to be appreciative of what Will Muschamp's done. Now, come on, now we can we we don't deserve a better coach than Will Muschamp. Now he's the best coach we ever had. <laughs> now, how absurd does that sound when I say
2: that? Come on, it's ridiculous. <laughs> if we had any other coach who came in before Frank Martin that was decent whatsoever we would i mean
1: be if it was Dave motive, this year if it was dave odom and then frank martin it'd be having a different conversation because it was dave odom darren horn frank martin that's why yeah that's why so yeah so we actually taught gamecocks basketball i taught gamecocks basketball with carlos powell fantastic interview coming up in just a second before we get into that it's presented to you by our friends over at my bookie if you don't have a my bookie account and March Madness starts Thursday. You know you're going to be sitting at work, not doing anything. Everybody's gambling. Everybody gambles March Madness. Everyone does. It's just a – if you're a red-blooded American male, you're probably going to gamble on college basketball this weekend and for the rest of March. It's okay. We accept it. It's all good with me and Tom. But if you're going to gamble, go to mybookie.ag. Use our promo code SPURSUP. They're actually going to give you a 50% deposit bonus. So, say you want to put – um, $500 in your account, they're going to give you an additional $250 to play with. It's literally free money that you can play with. Um, they have all the best lines. Uh, payouts are super simple. They're very responsive. If you have any questions, concerns, anything you want to talk with them about, you can address or reach out to them on social media, Twitter. You can send them a tweet, DM, whatever. They'll get back to you literally within minutes. Um, Again, I talked payouts are super simple. It's just the best online gambling site by far. They're super simple and easy to use, and it's the only place I would trust to put my money. Again, it's mybookie.ag. Use the promo code SPURSUP. Remember with mybookie, it's not about who you're gambling on, but who you're gambling with, and that's why I choose mybookie. That's mybookie.ag, promo code SPURSUP. Remember, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, guys, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks basketball player Carlos Powell. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks basketball from 2001 to 2005. He ranks eighth in all-time in scoring with 1,541 career points, was part of South Carolina's 2004 NCAA tournament team, also helped South Carolina capture the 2005 NIT championship, averaged 53% from the field, scored 540 points, and averaged 16.4 points per game. As a senior, he also led South Carolina in scoring as a sophomore, junior, and senior, while leading the team in rebounds in his final two seasons, had a fantastic professional career as well, and was just honored as an SEC basketball legend. I want to welcome to the podcast, Carlos Powell. Carlos, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on.
3: Uh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate you guys uh, you know, getting in contact with me.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So let's jump right into it. You're a guy from Florence, South Carolina. Um, like I said, you played for South Carolina from 2001 to 2005. Let's kind of go back to your high school days, growing up in Florence, playing in Florence. Um, what drew you to South Carolina? What eventually made you a Gamecock?
3: Um, I I was at uh, Wilson High School in Florence. And, uh, you know, uh, Dave Odom, he was a really good friends with my, my high school coach, uh, Coach Tommy Johnson and uh, Bob Wilson. We had a few tournaments, man, and uh, they were – I think they were I mean, me personally. I think they were out to get Major Wingate, but when they saw me play, they were like, "Okay, we gonna get this guy too. Maybe we can get Major later." But it all everything worked out. You know, everything worked out in my favor. So I thank that, you know Coach Dave Odom for giving me a chance.
1: Absolutely. So Coach Odom, obviously very well-known. Uh, like I said before, you guys made the NCAA tournament, made a couple appearances in the NIT, one in 2005, 2006. I know he was actually SEC Coach of the Year in 2004. Um, so definitely held his own in the SEC. But just talk about kind of your relationship with Dave Odom once you got to South Carolina and even, you know, life after basketball.
3: Uh, when I got there, man, it was, you know uh... – sort of kind of a rude awakening you know just coming from high school to you know the college level he he showed me a lot of things you know when I got on campus he told me it wasn't going to be the same you know everything I'm coming from Florence thinking okay I'm a I'm a I'm, I'm pretty good man I can you know do this I can do that man and he was you know he stayed on me about you know it's always going to take hard work you know to be better than the guys that are ahead of you and when I came in I thought I was pretty good but i found out quick that i wasn't. And he, he, he uh he didn't like, you know, rub it in and that like that he all oh, he just kept, you know, pushing me on, pushing me off throughout my career man and i just thank him again, you know, for giving me the opportunity to play the game of basketball.
1: Absolutely. So talking about your freshman year, you know, Carlos, you were a guy, like you said, there was definitely a transition for you. I mean, definitely not a bad freshman season by any means, averaging, you know, over six points a game. Uh, A guy that played in 37 games your freshman season, you know, so you were thrust right in there playing just over 15 minutes a game. But just kind of talk about what the biggest transition was for you, you know, going from the high school ranks to playing college basketball. What was the thing that maybe surprised you the most or kind of was that rude awakening you were talking about?
3: It was, you know, uh, learning, actually learning the game of basketball. You know, the game of basketball in high school is way different from college because now you have, a you know, a shot clock and you have players that are, that are faster, they jump higher and stuff like that. So you, that was the biggest thing, you know, seeing a, seeing, a, seeing guys like Aaron Lucas. I'm like, okay, this guy, is, he's about six foot something. He jumps. He can jump over my head. You know, I've never seen anything like that you know, coming, you know, from Florence or whatever. And, uh, you know, it was just a a, a big transition. And, you know, guys, you couldn't score on them as easy as you did in high school. Just everything, the transition into the game, the speed of the game. And you had to think it a lot more. So I think that was the biggest transition.
1: Absolutely. So Carlos, I'm, I'm just curious to get your opinion. you know, obviously um, we've seen what South Carolina has done kind of recently, you know, making the final four in 2017 and what Frank Martin has done at South Carolina. Um, And I think, you know, Frank Martin maybe changed the perception of South Carolina basketball just a little bit, but for you, what was the, what would you say was the perception of South Carolina basketball when you were going there? I mean, was it, um, you know, maybe in comparison to what it is now. I mean, was it you guys were kind of trying to build something there, or you know, how did you view South
3: Carolina as sort of a basketball school? Me personally, I was I was all about you know putting Florence on the map. I was all about putting Florence, South Carolina on the map, trying to you know let people know that we have athletes coming out of Florence. And I was a big I was I wasn't a big Gamecock fan, but I you know I always knew you know uh, the the University of South Carolina was. But I think. You know, the, I would say, what I want to say about just, I kind of lost my train of thought right here real quick. But, uh, you know, I said, like, you know, I wanted to put my city on the map and just change it because everything you heard about was football, football, football. And I just wanted to make this a basketball school. So that was my biggest thing, man, coming in, just trying to play hard as I can and then put Florence on the map.
1: Absolutely. So you played with some really talented guys at your time there, Rolando Howell, you know, Tarrence Kinsey, mm-hmm. um, some other greats as well at South Carolina. How how did that shape you? How did that competition help you as far as your development as a player?
3: I think the uh the most of all we were we were brothers. You know, I, I never had brothers. I was I'm 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 one of five, you know, I got four sisters and those guys were we were tough on each other, but it was like a brotherhood, man. You know, Rolando, you know, that's my guy, you know, uh I had, you know, guys like Mike Boynton and, you know, Trey Kelly, Torrance Kinsey, all competitive guys. And they just, you know, they had that fire about them that every day we came in the gym, we were going to, you know, push it to the max and and challenge each other. And I think that's what we got out of it at the end. You know, once I know with Mike, you know, Mike was a a great leader and with, you know, Aaron Lucas, another great leader, man. We just had a a lot of guys that come through there were very competitive and, and just and held that leadership quality and just left the program in, you know, good hands.
1: Absolutely. So from your – I talked about, again, your freshman season. Not a bad year, but uh, you definitely jumped up Mm -hmm. and improved from freshman to sophomore year. Um, Just taking a look at your stats, I mean, you went from averaging six points a game to over 12 points a game, um, obviously getting a ton more playing time, playing in over 28 minutes per game. Your role definitely got a lot uh, bigger as well. Um, You talked about just kind of learning the game of basketball. Did anything else change for you as far as why you were able to make that jump from your freshman to sophomore year?
3: Um, just you know, knowing there was an opportunity out there, you know, coming the, the following year, you know, I seen I just started uh really focusing more on basketball. You know, we had Coach Rick Duckett, and he uh he stayed he stayed on us he stayed on me a lot, and I, I thank him for that. You know about. He always asked me, this was every day for four years. He asked me, did you get better today? I remember that to this day. And I, I still ask, you know, the people I train, you know, the kids I mentor and stuff like that. Did you get better today? And that was, that was the biggest thing about, you know, transitioning to the next year because that always stuck in my head. I'm like, okay, if I didn't do this, I got I to gotta go do something in the gym. I got to go get some shots. I got to go lift weights or something. So I always wanted to get better.
1: Absolutely. So after your sophomore season, you go into that junior year and you guys obviously your freshman year making the NIT, getting the NIT runner up. Uh, sophomore season, missing out on the postseason. You know, you guys made a run in your junior year uh, or excuse me, in your sophomore year and actually made the NCAA tournament. Um, what do you think changed that year? Was that the expectation for you guys first off going into that season to make the tournament? And, you know, what do you think change? What do you think clicked for you guys to uh, to make that run to the tournament?
3: I think you know it was the leaders, you know, with Mike and you know Rolando and stuff like that, uh, guys like that, that who were, you know, just like okay, man, we gotta we gotta do things. So the year before we had a really really bad year. I think we were maybe twelve and sixteen or something like that. I think. Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. sure. It was yeah, that's it. A, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was a rough year for us, man. And we, you know, after that, we came back in in the summers, man, and it was like everybody was locked in. It was like being early you know staying late extra laps extra shots extra everything and we just it was just a better commitment I think the next year
2: absolutely so
3: So I'm I'm not saying we weren't committed the year before but mm -hmm. I think the level you know it went up you know with the expectation we're like okay we're better than where we were last year man we just got to go out here and prove it to ourselves first but you know to everybody else
1: absolutely so one guy I do want to ask you about was your teammate that sophomore season and obviously I I would say an influx of talent helped you guys make that run as well um but definitely I mean along with yourself one of the most popular Gamecock basketball players I would say um Ronaldo Bachman a guy that went on to have a great career played in the NBA I think he's still playing professional basketball right now a guy that we are we are trying to get on this podcast but uh just talk about your memories from playing from Ronaldo Balkman. I mean, a guy that played with all types of tenacity and fire on the court. What do you remember from playing
3: with him? That's that's my guy, man. It's he, weird. I was just talking to Balkman before I got on this uh, you know, this call with you guys, man. I was in a group chat. We still have a game called group chat. You know, uh, Balkman, Torrance, Trey, Brandon Wallace, John Chapel, Bryce, Sheldon, all of us talk like every day. And I was just talking to Balkman too, man. But playing with Bunkman might have been one of the most talented guys I've ever played with. That guy was—he was unreal, man. He was athletic. He can run. He can jump. It was just—it was just effortless, man. And his his talent—you know—looking through the NBA, man. I was—you know—I couldn't be more proud of him. And then, you know, recently he was—you know—a year or two ago he was injured, and you know I was talking to him and stuff like that, man. And he was—you know—I thought I think he was like on the brink of just giving it up, but. He fought back, man, and this guy's been having an unbelievable career for the past what two years, man, in the Philippines. He just got MVP, and you know he's breaking all types of records over there, man. And I'm just, I, I couldn't be more proud of the guy, man, because to watch this guy come from you know, you know his freshman year until you know now, has it's just been amazing. Yeah,
1: I think he just broke a thousand career points over there, right? I think I saw that on Instagram, actually. Oh uh, yes. Yeah, that's pretty – I mean, that's impressive for sure.
3: <laughs> that's very, very impressive.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So, very- uh, yeah, obviously, so for you, Carlos, um, you guys in your senior season were able to, you know, win the NIT championship. Um, but, you know, I'll ask you, to be able to go out on top like that, obviously it wasn't getting back to the NCAA tournament like I'm sure you guys set out and you wanted, but – um, I mean, I remember specifically that was some of – at that point, that was definitely some of my favorite memories as a Gamecocks basketball fan. You know, I don't – I'm not sure if it was – you can correct me. I'm not sure if it was that year, the first one or the second NIT championship where you guys hit the game-winning shot to win the game basically against St. Joe's. But, uh, I mean, th- those two oh, – Yeah, that the,
3: was the first. The, Go ahead. I said, yes. Yeah, that was the first one.
1: That was the first one. That was one. the first, first Okay, one. yeah. That that was – you know, I because I was a young South Carolina fan at that point, that was definitely one of – you know, you know. Obviously, the one of my favorite Gamecock basketball memories that stood out, but uh, to be able to go on a, go out on top like that for you um, after an outstanding career. I mean, again, just kind of going over your stats from your junior, senior year. Averaged twelve points per game your junior year, just over twelve, and then your senior year obviously was your best year. Averaged over sixteen points per game. You know, like everything really clicked for you. But how satisfying was that to be able to kind of go out on top and in your career on a positive note?
3: It's it's uh it it was very it was very good, man. You know, I told those guys, you know, at the end of that season, well, before the uh, the postseason started, man, you know, we didn't know, you know, what our what was ahead of us, you know, and I just told those guys, man, whatever we do for the end of this season, man, we gotta have fun, and we went out there, and that was the most fun I've had on the basketball court probably in my life. Those last what five games, or mm. yeah. From from Georgetown, when we were in Columbia all the way from Georgetown to Miami. We played Maryland, we played and all the way to the Saint Joe's game, man. It was it was a great ride, man. And I and we couldn't have done any of that without the fans because we had fan support all the way in New York. It was unreal, man. It was people outside, people on balconies, just everywhere, just supporting the game man. And it was a great run for us. And I, I definitely enjoyed myself, my, my senior year. Well, throughout my whole career at University Mm -hmm. of South Carolina, but that was my
1: most favorite moment. Absolutely. So, one stat that really jumped out to me, Carlos, is you actually hold the school record for most games played uh, with 132. Um, What do you think made you such a versatile player and a guy that was able to, obviously, you know, stay healthy? But you know, what what was able to what was able to make you so versatile? Were you able to play that many games over the course of your career?
3: Oh. <laughs> uh, that's just a blessing, you know. I I all I I've been always known to take care of my body, you know, but we had great trainers, you know. I had uh you had D Williams, I had Jared Grace, man. I had some good trainers man in South Carolina, man, that that definitely kept me, you know, on the straight and narrow and kept my body in shape. Absolutely. So,
1: I don't want to miss out on this as well because I forgot to mention, but you were 2003-2004 uh, All-SEC, 2004-2005 preseason All-SEC, um, 2005 team outstanding rebounder. The accolades continue to pour on. But you played in the SEC, a conference that's um, very strong, obviously one of the best, if not the best in the country. Um, who would you say was the toughest guy you ever went up against uh, during your career at Carolina? Uh
3: it's- I just told this his son this uh at the SEC tournament this weekend. Uh it it would it would have to be either Justin Reed or or um, this one guy, another guy. Marquise Daniels. Justin Reed or Marquise Daniels, but I'd definitely say Justin Reed was probably the toughest person I've ever had to guard in my life, probably. Really? Wow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That guy was so active, he was, oh my God, he was probably the most active player I've ever had to guard. He never stopped moving, man. Never.
1: Absolutely. So, after your South Carolina career, Carlos, you obviously dipped into professional ranks for a while. I mean, your South Carolina career ended 2005, you played the professional ranks, all the way to 2017, really jumped around. Kind of want to start there, as soon as you leave out of South Carolina, you know, you went undrafted. Into the NBA draft, did you have any clue before that kind of what your your plan, the next step was for your professional basketball career? I mean, I know everybody wants to play in the NBA, but what were the options presented to you? I know you you know eventually went to uh, to Portugal, where you did extremely well. You were the fourth leading scorer in the league, averaged over 19 points a game, um, named the All League MVP team. Um, but what was kind of you know when you were kind of going through that process and. Obviously, there's a there's there's that uncertainty of where you're going to go play professional basketball. What what was that like
3: for you? It was it was all you know my 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 focus was NBA my focus was NBA you know and when it didn't happen I was heartbroken of course but that didn't stop anything you know because because I always knew my work ethic would take me everywhere I needed to go and it was a you know a tough process I think. But I had a good agent, you know, and Dan told me he was a very, very good agent. Uh, I got with him through a, a thing I want to say. Coach Odom introduced me. know Rolando. Rolando Howe. That's who introduced me to him. And, uh, you know, he took care of me throughout my career, man, 14 years, you know, playing professional basketball. a very long time. And to have a, a good agent who can, you know, direct me in the right direction is not going to, you know, you know. A lot of agents, I was very fortunate and have a a really good agent to, you know, look after me and, you know, do stuff for me. So I would have to put most of it on him, man, because he he definitely took care of me, man. Dan Tobin definitely took care of me early on in my career, and throughout my career.
1: Absolutely. So like I said, you kind of jumped around. You were in Portugal. You went to New Zealand in the Australian Basketball League. Um, You did get a taste of the NBA as far as the, uh, the, I guess it'd be called the G League now, but the D League is concerned. Um, You were with the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Summer League in 2007. Uh, That didn't work out when to play for a Ukrainian team. You were then selected second overall in the draft by the Dakota Wizards of the NBA D League, um, where you did extremely well. I mean, I was looking at the stats here, average 22 points per game over six rebounds, four over a steal a game. Um, You played a couple of years in the D League there. What was that experience like? Obviously not playing at the NBA, you know, the top level, but getting that experience, playing against probably some guys that I would imagine in the league right now.
3: That league, that time in Dakota was probably one of the most, uh, I want to say, most talented times in it in the, in the D-League or the G-League now because they had some very, very good guys, man, and, you know, the NBA and the, the game changes and stuff like that, and I guess, man, you know, it wasn't my time to get in there, but I had some great games, great memories, man, and just, the G-League taught me a lot, man, that's a humbling experience, you know, for a lot of a lot of people, you know, because it's not where you want to go, it's like you're an inch off of your dream, and you just, is in arms, is in hands reach, and you just can't get there, man, but it's a dope experience because it it makes you hungry. I think that's what it did for me, and it made me very, very hungry. And, I, you know, eventually I I went overseas, and I, I, that G League experience got me into the Korean Basketball League, man, and Korean Basketball League changed my life. Yeah, I was, it, gonna, it,
1: it yeah, I was just going to say, I have a simple question for you, Carlos. You know, how much do you love basketball? <laughs> because you're a guy – I mean, you played everywhere. I mean, I'm just looking again, Portugal, New Zealand – Israel, Iran, South Korea, I mean, literally everywhere. I mean, you have to really love something. You have to love the game of basketball to be willing to go all over the world to play it, right?
3: Yes, you do. The sacrifice was uh, – it was a huge sacrifice because, you know, I have i have two daughters. I have a wife, you know, and just being away from my family and stuff like that and just the holidays, trying to see them catch up on the different times. and But they – They held me down, man. My family always had my back, man, and they just kept me grounded and just always motivated me, man. But that was always my passion. They know I love basketball, man. That was just all I wanted to do was just play basketball, and they supported me throughout my career, and I can only thank them enough for that.
1: So you're a pretty cultured guy than I'd imagine, right? I mean, if you've been to that many different places, like you're not someone that's kind of in a box that's never left the United States or something like you. I would imagine you're a pretty cultured guy in that regard.
3: Yes, very. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, you can't I, not be right I, at that point.
3: Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sightseer. So if I go anywhere, man, I would I'm, I'm going outside to look around and, you know, learn something new. I'm not that guy that just stays in his hotel room and don't talk to anyone. I try to figure out the languages and you know everything they have going on. So, I, I once I get somewhere, I get moving. I don't need anyone to help me out.
1: Absolutely. So shifting gears a little bit, Carlos, obviously, you know, you were playing your professional career. Meanwhile, South Carolina going through a couple of coaching changes, they land on Frank Martin and the Gamecocks end up in the final four in 2017. I know that you were watching. Um, What did that feel like? Um, And I'm sure you had the same feeling as all the other alums, but what did that feel like to see your alma mater, South Carolina make it to the final four? I mean, a place that it had never even came close to before.
0: It was great.
3: I was actually in uh, Venezuela. And, you know, I talk – Iowa. you don't know. I talk to the guys. All the USC players that have been through there, they have – they know me. I'm like their brothers. I'm like their big brother. And that year I was always, you know, talking with Sendarius and talking with PJ and talking with Dwayne and, you know, uh, Justin Mackey and them guys, man. They just, it was just a spirit about them, man, that they just – you know, they had something going, man. And I always told them, man, you know, just my thing was keep dancing man just keep dancing man you know have fun keep dancing that's all I kept telling them keep dancing keep dancing keep dancing that watching those guys go out there and do something historical like that man was just great it was it was it was a great feeling for me personally because they know how hard I, I put the work in and they know I'm a huge Gamecock fan and supporter and through the good and the bad I always got that back
1: Absolutely. So what would you, what's your, uh, I'm not sure if you ever met him, had any interactions with him. I'm sure you have being back on campus, but uh, you know, what are your feelings on, uh, on Frank Martin, obviously a guy that again, led South Carolina to that final four run. What, what's your, uh, you know, your take on Frank Martin and, and his leadership of the South Carolina Gamecocks basketball program?
3: Frank Martin is my guy, man. I'm at USC. I'm, I'm, I'm in the gym. I see Frank. 2 3 times a week we talk we you know have conversations and stuff like that. Frank, I'm a huge fan of Frank. His uh his coaching, you know, the way he he sees the game, the his knowledge of the game, man. I am a I'm a student of his, man, cuz I've watched a lot of the things he's done over the past few years, man, and I'm I'm definitely a big fan, man. No complaints on from me. You won't hear any complaints because I would definitely play for a coach like Frank. I would want to because he's going to he's going to get everything he got out of you. And it's just not about on the basketball court. He he he, he looks after these guys after basketball as well. He sets you up for that, you know, through his coaching, you know, his ways of coaching and stuff like that. And a lot of people don't see that, but he's a great coach and a great motivator, man. And he's a great person.
1: For sure. So I'm curious to ask someone this that's from the state of South Carolina that is a, you know, an alum, a fan of the Gamecocks, someone that, you know, wants to see South Carolina do well. Um, There's been a huge question over the past couple years and maybe just forever of, you know, when you're South Carolina and you're competing with the Blue Bloods, the Dukes, North Carolinas, the Kentuckys, um, for the top in-state talent, you know, it's very tough to keep them home. And, um, you know, so that makes it tough for South Carolina and Clemson are fighting for those guys. You see Wofford's in the tournament. I mean, there are a ton of good basketball programs in the state of South Carolina, but they're all fighting for, with these Blue Bloods, to keep these guys home. D have you – I mean, I'm not sure You're if, what type of feel you have on the pulse of South Carolina basketball, the high school ranks, AAU. I mean, do you feel there's anything that South Carolina is or is not doing or you would like to see them do better in regards to keeping the top in-state talent home? So, cause, because, for example, I mean, the 2019 class, I think, you know, you're, you're going to have your guys go to Duke, North Carolina, like your Zions. I mean, you, you, there's just no denying that. But you see, like, Georgia coming into South Carolina, getting a guy – uh Ole Miss, Alabama. I mean, what's kind of your take on guys leaving the state of South Carolina to go play college basketball elsewhere?
3: You know, uh it's it's very tough, man, but again, man, those guys, everyone has their, you know, their own dream and stuff like that, what they want to do. It's kind of hard to compete with North Carolina and Duke, like you said, and stuff like that. And, you know, those other programs are, are very good programs. But you know, I talked with a couple of the guys, man. You know, and I think we feel like we need a to keep the South Carolina guys in state. You would need a a guy who could relate. You know, and I'm not saying they don't have a guy who can relate to those guys in state, but they got they don't know. You know, if there's a South Carolina guy on the staff, then they would be like, okay, you know, we got a guy around. I'm just, you know, giving out a scenario or something like that. You know, they. A guy who looks familiar, and I right. think that's just one of the that we don't, you know, have. And I can't, you know, I'm not saying they're doing a a, a terrible job at, you know, recruiting right. either, because right, I, right, right. I know there's a guy there, you know, doing their job day, night in and night out, you know. So, but I just think, you know, a South Carolina guy who's around or who's been around or something like that, where the the coaches in the state know, the kids in the state would probably know, you know. That coach uh, whoever's on staff could give them a better uh you know input you know on the state uh and everything else that goes with the University of South carolina
1: right no I agree with you actually I mean I think that's a great idea, and something I honestly hadn't thought about like you know just just saying bringing somebody like yourself like on staff and some type of you know I think of it as the uh, the Gamecocks football team you know they, they have Marcus Lattimore on staff and kind of a support role a guy that played at South Carolina had a ton of success and you know helps in recruiting a ton I think. You know, I think that's a fantastic idea. Bringing a guy on staff, like maybe yourself, a guy that's played at South Carolina, had a ton of success, had success in the professional ranks, and that can sh- that shows that it can be done. That you can stay home and have a great career, and you know, build a life in South Carolina. Because I mean, I just know, you know, from the fans' perspective, you know, it it obviously kills fans when guys like from the city of Columbia, even you know, are leaving to go out of state. That's um, obviously a tough pill for South Carolina fans to swallow, as you can probably imagine.
3: Yeah, yeah, I I understand, you know, you guys, you know, want to see the guys in state, you know, stay around. And I I want them to stay around too, you know. So we have – I would say we have to figure something out, you know. But uh, I think that would help a South Carolina guy on staff that – letting them know that, okay, you can stay in state and be successful, you know. You don't have to go to another school and – Try to do, you know, certain things, whatever, with another program because you can do it right here in state. And, you know, if we did keep those kids in state, man, we would be one powerhouse to be reckoned with. I know that because it's a lot of kids out here that are very, very good. And, you know, they're leaving the state. And if they were to come here, South Carolina would definitely be, I would say, a top team in the the country easily.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm thinking it's just funny. I'm going to ask you about him because I'm just thinking of, man, it would have been nice to see Zion Williamson wearing garnet and black. But um, since we're talking basketball, what's kind of your take on him? Obviously a guy that's got – he's. I mean, he's got the spotlight of the world on him. Um, I mean, for good reason. I mean, he's, he's a physical specimen. He's a freak. He's a guy that, you know, has been a ton of fun to watch for Duke. But what, What's your take? What do you see from
3: Zion when you look at his game? He's a – He's a different animal. He is a a grown man playing with kids. (laughs) I like it. It's it's a great, you know, it's great for basketball, man, but I would definitely love to see him. I would have loved to see him in that that garnish, but that kid is, he's unbelievable. I think he has some type of jet fuels in his legs or something like that because the way he changed speeds and jumps and his second jump is probably one of the best I've ever seen in my life. Cause the kid gets off the ground so quick, but his overall, the way he handles success and the way he's handling everyone in the world, that's just amazing to me. Because at a, such a young age to be so mature, I would say LeBron-ish. He's LeBron-like, but you know the way everyone's the the, the pedestal they put him on in high school. I'm, in high school, what I, I would compare him and LeBron to, but as far as them two as players and anything like that, I wouldn't. You know, try to compare them because they're, they're they're two totally different people.
1: Absolutely. So, getting back to you, Carlos. You know, obviously, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you were named a 2019 SEC legend, um, one from each school, obviously, and you were picked for South Carolina. Just talk about, you know, what it meant to receive that honor, and you know, just what that means to you personally.
3: Uh, it was just great, man. To for that honor to be I was I was definitely shocked for one but oh most of all man I I just was happy to bring my mother along with me to enjoy that moment you know because I couldn't have ever dreamed about you know being an SEC legend or anything like that or I just wanted to play basketball that was my thing I just wanted I just love basketball it wasn't about any awards it wasn't about anything else it was just about me going out there lacing my shoes up and competing And to be named the SEC legend, man, that was – it was – it it didn't sink in until I I really, like, walked through that tunnel and I got into the arena and I saw all those people and they were clapping and stuff like that. I was like, man, this is pretty dope, you know. And and to enjoy that with my mother, man, was – that was just icing on the cake.
1: Absolutely. So, I know we talked a little bit before the show, but your professional career came to an end, I believe you said, last March, the March before. Uh, You've obviously been doing some other things outside of of basketball. Kind of give some Gamecock fans, Gamecock fans that are listening, kind of an inside track of just what Carlos Powell has been up to, um, you know, since your playing days.
2: Uh,
3: Right now, I'm a professional uh, boxing trainer. I'm also a personal trainer. Uh, skills and basketball also I'm a motivational speaker as well but most of the time I spend at the gym uh, at Robertson Neal Boxing Academy on the road uh, I do all of my trainings out of there you know I try to stay in shape as much as I can but just trying to see people and help people you know achieve goals you know that's my that's my motivation and I like to see people better and I think training, you know, and stuff like that it helps me stay around the sport, just being active.
1: Absolutely. And I saw it's uh, it's dog work, right? Cuz I saw your uh your brand on the SEC legend stuff and obviously on Instagram, but uh yes. you guys have got a good thing yes. going for sure as far as the branding. I like the logo stuff. I mean, it, it looks like it's really it looks like it's really taken off for you. I mean, is that something you want to, you know, that kind of where you think your future lies kind of in the fitness realm or
3: Uh, you know, fitness is I I love staying in shape. I love working out. I love running. I just, like I said, I love people. I love to see people crush their goals Mm -hmm. and personal training is pretty good, you know, but I think I would want to be a college coach, you know, someday, someday, hopefully in the near future, I would, uh, get on someone's staff, hopefully South Carolina, (laughs) but, uh, I think I can see myself being a, uh, just a, I'm just, Basically, uh, everyone says, Los, man, you're, you're pretty good at just being who you are and motivating people and just teaching. And I think that translates over to the coaching field. Yeah,
1: no, I would certainly say so. I was going to say, just kind of piggybacking off your idea earlier, I, I would be – I know from my perspective, I would love to see at South Carolina, obviously, bring a familiar face under the end of the building and, you know, again, just making an impact, not just recruiting on the court, off the court, all that good stuff. Um, Since we are a Gamecocks podcast, Carlos, before we let you go, um, I want to ask you one last question about your South Carolina career. If you had to pick one, what would you say is your favorite memory um, from South Carolina?
3: My favorite memory was was definitely uh, the NIT championship. That run was the definition of dog work. That run right there was dog work. D-O-G-G, dreams only get greater when you work. Love it.
1: Love it. All right, well, perfect, man. Hey, I really do appreciate it again. Appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, I just want to say from all South Carolina fans, um, obviously, it was a blast to watch you play in the Garnet and Black, and we really appreciate what you did for South Carolina, man. It really, uh, and I'm serious. I really hope that uh, hope they open the door for you and you, you can get that, that assistant coaching job or maybe, heck, one day, maybe the head coaching job. I'd love to see it.
3: Yeah, me too, man. I hope so, man. We hope and pray for it, man. Absolutely. I just want to be around. I, just, I, I love the game. I love the it, man. I love it. I love it.
1: Absolutely. We do too. So, Carlos, appreciate you taking the time, man. We'll obviously be keeping up, keeping in touch with you. Tell, uh, tell Savelle we said hello, and uh, we'll definitely be chatting again soon, man. We'd love to talk to you again.
3: Uh, most definitely, man. You know, I appreciate you guys, you know, hitting me up, you know, wanting to talk to me, man. And I'll definitely tell Savelle, you know, what's up for you guys, man, and I appreciate it again man thank you for everything man
1: yeah let's do it again sometime so for carlos pal and thomas floyd i'm chris phillips we appreciate you guys tuning in uh, and we'll catch you next week on another episode of this first up